Attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates episode by episode the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, General Robert Iron Guts Kelly. And joining us this week in the VIP tent is Corporal Rick Heineken. Hello, Rick. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. You and I have podcasted before. You've been on my shows. I've been on one of your shows, but uh, this is your first appearance on MASHCAST, so welcome. Thank you very much. I am really glad to be here. I am really glad for this opportunity, and I'm glad to to dip my toe into the MASH, oh, into the swamp, let's say. All right. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds horrible. Now, of course, uh, anyone who regularly listens to the show knows that uh, anyone who is nice enough to come on this podcast... I automatically, with their first appearance, make them a lieutenant. Everyone starts as an officer. But you, Rick, specifically asked to be designated a corporal. So why don't you explain to everybody why that is? Sure thing. I, I had a couple reasons. And the first one is, is I was in the Army Reserves. And when I got out, I was an E4, which is a specialist. But E4s are also known as corporals. So this is my chance to finally be a corporal, even though I was a specialist before. Also... I I knew of MASH growing up, and I was a fan of the MASH movie, but I was never really a fan of the MASH TV show. I would see it on, I'd watch a little bit of it, but I never followed it. I never really got into it. My sister did. My sister was a big fan of MASH, but I never really, really got into it. Then I started listening to your show, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go through, and and you had been doing, I think, one or two, maybe even three seasons by that time. But I decided I was going to go and I was going to watch every single episode and I was going to then listen to your show. Oh so my. I went through and I have caught up with you and I, I am ready and able and I'm right there with your newest episode that comes out. And when you you're, the episode comes out, I listen to the show and I, I've been enjoying learning about the show with you and your guests. So I feel like I am becoming a fan. And so I didn't want to give myself that officer credit yet. I feel like I'm still just an NCO, just just a non-commissioned officer that's coming in, even though specialist and corporal is not a non-commissioned officer, but still, I feel like I'm just getting in there. So that's the reason I asked to come in as a corporal this episode. Okay. Well, that's very honest of you. Now, let me get this straight. You're watching the show along with the podcast. Does that mean you have not seen like season seven through 11 yet? I did watch the final episode of MASH. Okay, because, all right. That was the one I was headed to. I was like, wait. Because, I, because in my head, I said, you know what? I know I've seen it. It's in the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. Everybody has seen it. And so I was like, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I'm going to watch the final episode. And I watched the final episode, and I said, I've never seen this before in my life. I knew the final scene because it's very iconic, but I watched the entire thing going, dang, this is some excellent television. I can't wait to get back up here now. So, no, I have not seen... Any except for the final episode, I may have seen parts or bits or pieces of some of the other episodes in some of the later seasons, but I could not tell you anything about them. Wow, I really envy you that experience. I would yeah. love I I know these things so well, and I love that. I love knowing them that well, but just to be able to see kind of new mash. Oh, I really am and envious of. Of the experience you have ahead of you. That's kind of awesome. And it's enjoyable because I sit there and watch the episode before I listen to your show. So I try to make sure that, oh, a new week comes out. You're in the middle of doing your season. I got to remember to watch 
the newest episode of MASH. You know, I did have to watch this episode out of order, but I didn't think it really mattered too much. So, but it's nice being able to experience things like I, I get to see Sydney for the first time and really experience how cool he is. And it's like, wow, here's somebody I didn't know existed in the MASH universe. I knew, of course, Alan Alda's character and, and BJ and, and Potter and Klinger. All those characters are known quantities, but yeah, I, the little bit characters that come weaving in and out here, I could experience them for the first time. And it's kind of fun. That is really cool. Now you mentioned your sister was really into it. Yes. So like, I mean, I'm getting, are you, is she a younger or older sister? She's an older sister. She's 10 years older than me. So. Oh, okay. There's a yeah. big difference there. There's okay, a big difference there. Okay. And okay. I think for her, and I'm going to kind of speak out of class, but I'm pretty sure for her, it was a, chance for her to understand my father or our father a little bit he was in vietnam he um he was a rear echelon officer he did supply but he he was in a couple of combat situations but when he came back home he didn't want to talk about vietnam at all but i think her watching the show and i think my mom might have watched it too it was them coming to grips with a lot of that stuff that they had to go through so she was always a big fan of the show and she enjoyed it and she heard I was going to be doing the show and she goes, well, that's cool. And she really appreciated that. But that's really That's now it's really interesting. Wow. Now I will say I am a huge fan of mash the movie. I watched that probably in my early twenties and became a big fan of that movie. And I knew that there was a vast difference between oh, the yeah. movie and the TV show, but I, I still have a very strong spot in my heart for that movie. I like what it is on its own, separate from what the TV show is, even the characters. I like the situations. I like the goofiness. And I think that there's a, a small tie in we could do with the movie to this episode that we're talking about just with the last, last act of the movie with the football game. It has the same kind of feeling of goofiness and sport and, what's going on here with the this one thing that's nothing like the other thing with this mobile hospital that's going on so i see some little bit of connections between that story and this one you'd say that i mean yeah the movie's a classic i mean i'm not saying anything uh <laughs> that people don't already know uh it, it was a huge hit it was a trend-setting hit obviously it was popping enough to spawn a tv show but it does it's of course it stands up all on its own i do remember the first time i watched it and like how much the ending is like the football game. <laughs> and I was like, when are they getting back to the war? <laughs> this has turned into the longest yard all of a sudden. But yeah, I mean, the movie is a, is an absolute masterpiece and it is sort of fun to, you know, uh, you're a comic book nerd like myself and mm-hmm. we are very predisposed to the ideas of parallel universes and earth oh, yeah. ones and earth twos. And it feels like the earth two. Mash because you've got these characters with all these names that we're familiar with, but they don't look or act like the ones we know. You know, <laughs> there's Hawkeye and there's Trapper and there's Henry, but yet, oh, wait a minute. But Radar, he's the linchpin of the, he's straddling the two universes. You, you, you could almost say that this is just, even though they're both 470, uh, 4077th, I, you could say that these are just two different Mash units at different parts of the, of the war. They're just, One's over here, one's over there, and every unit's got a radar O'Reilly. That's <laughs> <Yeah, okay. laughs> a, a fun idea. I like that. Crisis <laughs> on infinite uh, mash units. So uh, before we get to the episode in question, which is episode 10 from season six, Mash Olympics, I do need to mention, of course, Rick, you were recently in South Korea. 
Yes, I was. And, and I have to say, not all. I don't expect that kind of uh, effort of all my guests to be on the show, but I appreciate it nonetheless that you went all the way to, to South Korea just to prepare for this episode. That's quite, quite impressive. When we were planning this out, I mentioned to you, I sent a <laughs> message saying, hey, just to be sure, we're not recording this one week because I'm going to Korea. And you thought I was kidding until you started seeing <laughs> yeah, I did think you I was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you're really in pictures. Korea. You, yeah, like, yeah, I am. <laughs> I I did look, and I did not make it into the area where the 4077th would have been. There is, a, I guess there's a couple of monuments, a couple of things that are in that area, kind of in tribute to the the show MASH, which is kind of cool. But I didn't get a chance oh, to go to that area. Um, but I will say that South Korea, Seoul, we went to Seoul, we went to Busan. My wife is Korean. She was born there. She lived there till she was about five. Just going there, and we've been wanting to do this for years, ever since I met her. So it's been about 20 years. But just experiencing the people, the food, the culture, the food, <laughs> the, the places, the food, uh, it's it's wonderful. I, I highly recommend if you get an opportunity or if you just are looking for someplace new to go, highly recommend going to Korea. It's just a beautiful place to visit. And just diving into any little restaurant you find and ordering something off the menu and going to town to it, you will not be disappointed. But mm, okay, that sounds that sounds amazing. So you you I mean we don't see a lot of the Korean cooking on the show, which is kind of unfortunate because oh man, that's good stuff. What is it? Me, it? What is it? Is it heavy? Like why? Why is it so good? Is it heavy on? What flavors or spices or like what? There, there definitely is a certain flavor and spice. In fact, kind of learning more about it, but there's, uh, I'm going to destroy this. There's a soybean paste. Um, there's a red paste that they use. And of course, a lot of soy sauce as well. And so they use that as a lot of the basis for the food, but they use a lot of vegetables, a lot of the kimchi, the fermented cabbage and spices. The the meats that they cook, uh, a lot of pork, a lot of chicken. There's some beef, too, but they do a lot of pre-seasoning with that. We went to one place that had the, the Korean barbecues where you'd actually do your cooking on the table. They just come with a seasoned meat on the table, and they had buckets of wood-burning charcoal that they put on the table, and they're cooking it there, and I have never had anything that good in my life. The freshness of the food, the experience with the spices and the preparation. It was just amazing. I, I have had a lot of Korean food over here, but nothing compared to any of the food there. The worst meal we had there was above anything that we've had in the United States. And it just wow. was the freshness of the, of the food, the specificity on what they were cooking and just like ages and ages and ages of tradition of knowing exactly how to make these specific dishes. Just fantastic. Wow, I'm sure you'll be expecting a check from the South Korean Chamber of Commerce anytime soon. You've made anybody it sound that, quite appealing. Anybody that followed my Facebook postings, they would see that, like, are you doing anything else besides eating there? No, not not really, but. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> well, if it's that good, why would you? Like, just walk around, just eat stuff. So, <laughs> well, that's, that is fantastic. That's really cool. Again, I appreciate the, the fealty to the show that you would made a, make a trip to pick up details of from this episode. So, uh, <laughs> so, so as I mentioned, this is the 10th episode of season six, MASH Olympics. The original air day was November 22nd, 1977. It was written by Ken Levine or Ken Levine. Excuse me. I should know that. I talked to him, had him on the show and David Isaacs and is directed by Don Weiss. 
Hawkeye and BJ agree to help out a sergeant named Ames, who is so overweight that the army is going to discharge him. They put him on a strict diet and an exercise regimen so he'll lose just enough weight on his next weigh-in to be not kicked out. Later that day, an ambulance overturns, so Colonel Potter has a bunch of the staff get together to flip it back onto its wheels. When the group lacks the strength to do it, Potter accuses his people of being terribly out of shape. Hawkeye, BJ, etc. protest, but when four MPs come by and do what the 477 could not, Potter says starting tomorrow there will be a morning calisthenics to the audible protests of everyone. The next day, the 477 is grumbling all through the exercises, and eventually they all start wandering off. Potter, noticing all this, summons them all to the mess tent. Understanding that morning exercise is boring and unmotivating, he comes up with the 4077th Olympics, where two teams, headed up by Hawkeye and BJ, will compete in events. Whichever team wins will get three days of R&R, an incentive which gets everyone excited. Interspersed with real footage of the 1952 Olympics, we see the two teams, BJ's Pink Elephants and Hawkeye's Yellow Blackbirds, compete. There's a race on crutches, which Hawkeye's team wins. When they get to a race where one of the men carries a nurse on his shoulders, Klinger, who has been eating nonstop so he'll get too fat to serve, is too sick to carry Margaret. BJ asks the visiting Donald Penobscot to fill in. Hawkeye objects, but Penobscot manages to goad Hawkeye into relenting. As expected, Penobscot dominates, bringing the 477th Olympics to a tie. Potter devises a tie-breaking obstacle course. The names are drawn from a hat, and it's a race between Penobscot and the hefty Sergeant Ames. The race starts, and Penobscot takes an early lead, but then he starts goofing off, playing to the crowd, and even though they scream at him to stop showing off and get to the finish line, Ames begins to catch up, and Penobscot, not paying attention to where he's going, gets caught in some of the netting that hangs all over the compound. While temporarily tangled, Ames crosses the finish line, winning the race for Hawkeye's Blackbirds. Later, Penobscot and Margaret leave for a vacation in Tokyo. She's mad that they've lost three extra days of R&Rs they could have had had her husband not been goofing around. Ames finds Hawkeye and BJ delighted. He beat the way in by three whole ounces, and now he's off to celebrate in the mess tent. All right, Rick, overall, what were your feelings about MASH Olympics? Well, this is not one of the uh, more heavier episodes, unintended, I guess, of the... the, uh, show this is just the goofiness of what the mash characters can get into this week it's it's not even a a heist or a con one it's just a goofy goofy every day in the life of if you will so yeah i i enjoyed it i really thought that it was fun it was enjoyable it was it's a light refresher after some heavier episodes Absolutely. That that's one of the things I like about it is that it is it's in the middle, kind of in the middle of the season, and we just had Hawkeye, you know, fall in love and fall out of love, and we had the the you know the the episode previous to this was images, which is the whole bit where the the dog gets killed and Margaret has kind of a, a you know a tough time getting to that. There've been kind of heavy stuff, and this one is just there's no medicine, you know, there's no patience, there's no, it's just. A day in the life of the four seven seventh, and it's yeah. fun. It's yeah. fun. We get to see them in ways we don't normally get to see them. We get to see Hawkeye and uh, BJ compete, which is not something we normally get to see. And 
as I mentioned in the synopsis, it's intercut with footage from the 1952 Olympics, which is a technique that MASH would use. They used in the Deluge episode in season mm-hmm. four. They would use in in other episodes where they would intercut footage from what was going on in America at the time. So, yeah, it's it's a fun, light, kind of frothy episode. And, and it's very funny. It's very yeah. funny, which is always helps, you know, to have oh, this yeah. really goofy one. Now, before we get to the scene by scene kind of breakdown, are you someone who follows the Olympics at all? Are you a sports guy or an Olympics guy? Okay, I am an Olympics guy. I am definitely an Olympics guy. My family, well, my wife, my daughter, and I, we could care less about sports. Everybody else in my family loves football. They love other kinds of sports. We could care less. But for my wife and I, the Olympics comes around, we will find ourselves just sucked into the stupidest things and also, and except for me, I will find myself absolutely engrossed for hours on end for women's volleyball. And I can't tell you the reason why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, the, the women's beach volleyball, for some reason, I can watch hours of that. Just hours <laughs> of that. Okay. Um, no, I, I, I enjoy the Olympics. I really enjoy the, the summer and winter Olympics both. It's my favorite part of sports. It's that few minutes of just fantastic, wonderful excitement. And you see that with what they do here. You have these little silly little contests that they do. And it's it's the best part about it. It's you got this much time to get something done who and you've got enough time to cheer and you see who's winning and you got the winner and yay, let's go on to the next event. So I like this. I like I like these I like the Olympics. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Uh, I mean, I watch baseball. That's the one sport that I pay attention to, but I do love the Olympics. And every two years when it rolls around, I always tell myself because there's so much of it to watch. You can't watch it all. No, I mean, you know, no. you just, there's too much, but I always tell myself, Oh, I'm going to take a day or two off from work and just watch a bunch of it. Just, you know, and I never quite think to do that in time, but yeah, I, I've really gotten, I didn't use. I liked it as I liked the Olympics as a kid, and then I got out of it when I was a teenager and in my twenties. And now I've gotten back into it, and now I really do thoroughly enjoy it. So every I'm, every time it comes around, I'm like, oh, I'm all in. I am yeah. all in. I love watching. I watch. I watch sports that I would never watch in any other context. You know, and totally. I don't really care about swimming. <laughs> I don't care. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna watch that by itself. But in the context of the Olympics, then I'm all in. So, yeah. um, so yeah. So this is this is the you know a fun lighthearted kind of episode and that's again one of the the appeals of it so it opens in the mess tent and we are introduced to sergeant ames a character we have never met before and we will of course never see again he's played by actor michael mcmanus uh if you have seen this guy's you don't know the name but you know the face he has been in virtually he's still apparently going to imdb he's still with us he doesn't have any credits past 2001 i don't you know, there's no, I don't explanation why. Maybe he just retired or whatever, but he was on every TV show in the seventies and eighties. He had one guest appearance on every show. Just a few were like happy days, perfect strangers, night court. I mean, just every conceivable show. Uh, he was also in the movie Mother Jugs and Speed, which is just oh, fun yeah. to say. Uh, the, what you, any of you do, again, don't know the name, but know the face, you probably would recognize him as the neighbor in Poltergeist. He is, he lives next door to the poltergeist house and he's the one where they talk about the remotes messed up. That's him. So, uh, he plays Sergeant Ames here and they get in this whole bit about that he is too heavy to serve in the military and he's despondent because he likes being in the military apparently. Now, I don't know whether this is one of these things that the army 
uh, excuse me, not the army, that mash the writers made up that you are can be too heavy to be. And I, I guess they have to have some physical requirements. Yeah. Ames doesn't seem that big. He's kind of like a John Goodman. Like, he's just a big guy. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, you would know. Do they have, did they have like weight limits? Do they, they have did them yeah, they did when I was in, and they okay. would do something of looking at you and seeing, okay, so we'll do a mass body mass index, and they will actually get out the calipers, and they would wow. squeeze your fat to see, do we need to put you on a, a weight plan or something like that? And they would keep track of that. So you can get in trouble by getting too large. So okay. this is this does fit into a lot of these kinds of things of of figuring out, you know, are are can you stay in? Are you meeting the health requirements? Are you meeting the physical requirements? If you are too big and too heavy, possibly you can't do your job. You can't help lift up ambulances. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. So then maybe this wasn't. To- I mean, I don't think. I don't. It doesn't seem like Ames would have that problem. He's not. Again, he's not that big. You know. Yeah, it, it, it. Once again, it, de- it depends on. And one, we're not being doctors. I don't. And I know. I don't know what the. The weight loss or the the actual uh, body masses in the 50s were or the medical standards of the 50s, but they would be looking at how much of it is actually fat and mm-hmm. how much of it is actual muscle. Mm-hmm. If he is all fat under there, which is kind of the assumption I guess they're saying, yeah, they would be trying to wash him out for that reason. Okay. Now, we do see that he does eat a lot. The tray that he brings with him is like got three layers deep of food. Um, <laughs> and so he he. he Tells his tale of woe to Hawkeye and BJ, and they decide, well, we're going to put you on an exercise plan. And Hawkeye, uh, his first act is to simply pick up Ames' tray of food and throw it out, which, I don't know, as a doctor, that doesn't seem like the best approach to take to a diet. I think you guys have to do it in moderation. You're not supposed to starve yourself because that's just going to – I mean, I know that he's going on a crash diet. Yeah. You just make it under this weight you know, as you say, the thing with the calipers, like yeah. he's got a deadline he's got to meet. So they're not as worried about him kind of snapping back. But still, it does feel a little like the guy's got to eat something. You can't just starve him. I don't know. And, and, and in nearly any other mass show, I would probably say, you know, we have to really look at the reality of the situation. But this is almost one step below a Marx Brothers. We're, we're <laughs> pushing three stooges at this point in time. So the extreme measure of like, no, we're just going crash course. We're, you know, you are nothing but water and the smell of a cooking chicken. That's all you can eat. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to go that route, even though it's absolutely not healthy, and especially in the military, you will die. You're on active duty like that. You are going to be running around. You're going to be burning calories. So, yeah, you you need to eat something. You need to have something. But you don't need a full tray. You need a reasonable meal. Yeah, right. Exactly. He's got like 20 strips of bacon and, you know, a giant pile of eggs and stuff like that. And so uh he's sitting there without any food and he's kind of all, well, darn. And he's not helped by Klinger, who brings a like the, a, a canister of chipped beef. Uh, which he says nobody's eaten, and it's this. This doesn't look like any chipped beef I've ever seen. Well, chipped beef is kind of liquidy, uh, and here it looks like it looks like um, uh, drywall paste. You know, I mean, it's and I mean maybe that's part of the idea that it's disgusting. Uh, well, but uh, oh god, ooh. we going through all these episodes with you. 
some of the shorthands that we already know about the mash camp is the food is absolutely atrocious. There is <laughs> nothing good that you will ever eat here at all. You you see them in the mess tent. You can expect that there's going to be a joke about the quality, the quantity, or the texture or color of the food that is coming up very quickly. So yeah, you you got him coming over with the the chip beef, and you know it's like nobody else is going to touch it except for this guy because he will eat anything. Right. It is a great prop. Oh yes, what they create because it does look and the there's like this. I I think I, I think they even did a um some like ADR where it 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 clinger lifts a spoonful of it and then it flops back into the canister. I don't think that's a sound that was really there at the time. <laughs> yeah, I think they added that in and here's like a flop and it's it's disgusting. <laughs> it's the same sound that they use for any and all classics eighties tropes of the quicksand sinking it's that same yeah. sound yeah that same texture <laughs> it's pretty pretty foul now of course uh clinger then gets wind of uh you can be kicked out of the army for being fat i love the way that jb Farr kind of leans in on that word he's like they could kick you out for being fat like he really <laughs> he really like eats that word no pun intended <laughs> And so, of course, that gets the wheels spinning in, in Klinger's mind. And he sits down and starts, uh, we don't, they cut before we see him eating it. But mm-hmm. he is about to eat a whole spoonful of this disgusting slot. Closing his, his Closing large his nose, nose yeah. and ready to eat on that. Yes, yes, <laughs> The yes. look of disgust on Hawkeye Chase face. They're like, oh, God, oh, horrible. So and, and uh, <laughs> we have the new con that that. Klinger is going for in this episode. Yes. <laughs> no, he wastes no time. Um, so uh, then we are in uh, the radar's office and uh, we see, by the way, radar not appear in this episode. Mm-hmm. We see um, Colonel Potter talking to Donald Penobscot, who talks about that, uh, that uh, he's actually, he says he's going to be coming back and he wants, he's going to go on R and R with Margaret. And he's actually going to come to the four seventh seventh to pick Margaret up. Seems like a weird way to do things because it's like, isn't Donald in Tokyo? I presumably there are and R's in Tokyo. He's going to drive all the way out into a war zone to pick up his wife and bring her back. But okay, what do I know? Uh, well, they, they wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for plot convenience. Sure. You see, they cut the orders and realized that for plot convenience, they needed him to appear at the end of the episode. So right. that the, the, the army is nothing if it's not efficient that way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it seems like a dubious <laughs> use of a colonel's time. But again, what do I know? So, uh, and then, you know, Margaret gets very excited and Colonel Potter is a great line where he's like, Oh, don't worry. We'll dust. And he puts his hands out around the <laughs> unit, which is fun, making the place, you know, uh, good enough for uh, Lieutenant Colonel Penobscot. Then uh, we're out in the compound and Hawkeye and BJ are giving Ames the second part of the, their exercise routine, the Pierce Honeycutt weight loss regimen, which is making him exercise they've got him in some sweats and he's out there jogging um do you exercise in any way i don't mean that in a sort of pejorative sense i'm just asking like is there something you do for exercise rick uh yes i drink beer uh i lift (laughs) it up and i I curl my i I need to exercise podcasting by the way while podcasting well i brought a beer for this it's a green queen in honor of uh Margaret herself, the green, the green queen. So I, I, I'm, I prepared, I prepared. No, I have started again getting back into doing Krav Maga and I got my mm. daughter and I are both doing that. And I'm trying to do that 
couple times a week and I'm trying to work out more. I'm trying to lose all the weight I've gained. But no, I am not one for running. Exercising in and of itself, it's it's hard. I need to get back in the habit of doing it. And I will do almost any other exercise except for running. That's where I draw the line. Because I don't like I, I have a hard time breathing. And so once I start doing that, I'm I'm out of breath and I just I, I don't like running. I do not like that at all. Interesting, because that's the one thing I do. I can't do anything else. I can't. I've managed to. I've been running for about twenty five years now, uh, and that's the only exercise I can really do. I every. I've had periods where I've tried to join a gym, and I get bored and give mm-hmm. it up. And then, oh, I'm signed up for a year. Well, I used a month of that, you know, whatever. But uh, no, especially with the advent of podcasting. Um, I actually find running to be quite soothing because I just put my earbuds in and I mm-hmm. listen to something and I'm, I, I'm alone with my, you know, with whatever I'm listening to for a solid hour, which is so, yeah. it's actually for, uh, quite, quite reason, pleasurable. For some reason, I just never got into it. I never enjoyed it. I don't and always I, enjoy it. In fact, the, the, a lot the, of the time pe- I don't, but I do the, it. The people that do it and the people that can find them and, and get past that, I, I have absolute respect for you. But yeah, you, I hear somebody say, okay, we're going to warm up by running. Can we, do anything else besides that because no <laughs> well I, I will tell you a big part of it for me is being able to listen to something i've had mm-hmm. to go on some runs where my headphone didn't work or my phone died you know like some reason and just running to nothing that's pretty grueling yeah that, I mean, that is really grueling but i i have shows that i kind of hold to listen to because they're really good to listen to or i have a i have a running mix that i try and keep fresh with new songs and stuff like that. So when I have something really interesting to listen to, that helps. That helps a lot. But just sending aims out, just go out and run. That looks pretty torturous. Well, I that, say. That, that is, that's the military. The, the only time that I was ever any good at running was going through basic training in AIT and, and running and doing it, you know, the, the two miles and, you know, making sure that you get the five minute mile in on those. And wow, I, I did the two miles in 10 minutes. I think I've even got less than that one time. It's like, yeah, I'm doing really good. As soon as I got out of AIT, I was like, I'm going to keep up with this. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't have, if I don't have a drill sergeant or somebody yelling at me to do it, nah, you can't get me to running. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Good to know. So, uh, BJ and Hawkeye, of course, do not join Ames in the jogging. They just send him off. And they head into the swamp and they start talking about the Olympics and they start kind of joshing back and forth about their supposed knowledge of uh, athletics. Uh, <laughs> Hawkeye suggests Hawkeye tells BJ that he uh, he went to school on an athletic scholarship, which BJ finds absolutely hysterical. Uh, you in athletics, athletic scholarship. And Hawkeye says, that's right. The coach's daughter paid me to leave her alone. So <laughs> good line. Good yeah, line. Good line. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous. Hawkeye is is many things, but he is not uh, athletic in any real way. Ames then shows up sweating profusely and just completely faints, faints dead away and crashes onto the floor of the swamp. It's a good pratfall. It's a great pratfall. It's the, the, the absolute face down right into hopefully a mat that was there, but it he was bounces a, perfect... a little. You can see yeah, him. Just... He kind of go, Boom. so you know that there's a mat that he hit there. <laughs> it, great pratfall on that. So. And, then, and there's a great button to the scene where Hawkeye says, you know, we're making tremendous progress with him, which is great. <laughs> it's a great bit. So uh, now we're back in Potter's office and we see Klinger has accelerated his weight gain and that he is walking around carrying a giant loaf of bread, a baguette and a sausage. Uh, no, like a salami, salami. Yeah. that is the size of a baseball bat. 
and it's, it's comparable to a rifle which potter which he uses like, yeah yeah he even says right shoulder arm with that thing <laughs> puts uh, down the loaf of bread and presents arms right onto the right shoulder beautiful <laughs> now supposedly you know it's tough to get fresh food at the 477 so where the hell did he get this well, considering how everybody's reacting to his breath from eating this i don't know if we can really consider that salami fresh maybe, maybe so. all right fair <laughs> enough fair enough well okay but i mean it's not powdered i guess is no. my point it's no it's, no it's you know i mean it actually can go bad as opposed to the lot of the 477 food which is just powder mixed with water and that's why it's so bland which that possibly has gone bland. It might be a pickled salami. We mm. really don't know. But yeah, the baguette and the salami kind of seem a little out of place. But once again, we are going full on Looney Tunes here. We are, we are slapsticking it all up. So the fact that he magically makes this appear the same place he gets his petticoats from. Okay. We buy it. We buy it. <laughs> it's this magical catalog that he has. Clinger has access to. So and nobody uh, else is going to eat it because it smells. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. They, yeah, they do. They really, every, all the actors, uh, William Christopher and Harry Morgan really sell that. It, it's, it's awful. Like it really is, is aromatic. And so nobody wants anywhere near it. So they find out that the Jeep is overturned and Potter instructs everybody to try and, uh, write it. And they can't, they've got about, a dozen members of the staff. You've got Winchester, who, of course, doesn't want anything to do with it. He's like, yeah, I'm a surgeon, can't, can't uh, catch my hands. Um, and uh, Hawkeye, BJ, Margaret, Klinger, Mulcahy, and a couple of the others, none of them could do it. They cannot budget. Uh, and so then, uh, and of course, Potter is really angry at this. And then we have four MPs show up, none of whom uh, get credit. They weren't listed on the episode or on um, IMDb, which is weird because they have and lines. And it's a shame because they have quite possibly one of the best moments there where they just say, well, you know, they, they say, well, it's just the four of you. Yeah. There might be too many of us. Really. Yeah, more than we need. Yeah. <laughs> more than we need. And just the way they were selling that line, the cockiness of them showing up, the, they flip the Jeep or the Jeep back over and then they just walk away next time. Just call us. It's perfect. It's beautiful. They come in and they solve it and they move off. And then you just kind of like are clapping your hands. Nice moment, boys. Nice moment. <laughs> <laughs> like they walk up and they go, as you said, he goes, uh, call us next time. Don't hurt yourselves. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> <That's a> <laughs> Just beautiful. And, and like any MP that you've ever seen too. <laughs> yeah. It's just, oh, are they, are they kind of like that from your experience? Yeah. 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 Okay. They can be like that. I mean, they, they know what they're doing. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Yeah. But they, yeah, they don't, uh, they don't get credit in the episode or on IMDb. That's weird. I like to credit the actors when they, when they get lines, but nope, not in this case, yeah. so which is strange. But uh, anyway, so uh, Potter is, of course, horrified. He says, you're, you know, he says, uh, if we ever have to bug out of here, you won't be able to lift a tent stake, which is kind of silly because the 477th <laughs> has bugged out numerous times yeah, yeah. for this point. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about, but, you know, again, we are in the Looney Tunes uh, universe yeah. at the moment, so that's fine. So he instructs uh, Hawkeye and BJ to... Uh, to have a calisthenics routine for everybody. He says, you're doing it for Ames. You could do it for everybody. So we cut to the next morning where they're doing jumping jacks and toe touchies and all this stuff. Winchester's completely <laughs> against it. And, you know, you can, you can understand this looks boring as hell having to do this. So yeah, you got to listen to Colonel Potter, but at the same time, I could see why, who the hell would want to be doing this? It's it. This is the mass unit. They, 
they don't want to be there in the first place. They're all tired after this war. They're all tired from their jobs. And now they have to do calisthenics. They're like, no, we, no, we're officers. We don't do this stuff. <laughs> There's a great little uh, physical moment where Winchester, you know, says, you know, you're, you're, you're increasing the chances of hypertension and you could, uh, <laughs> you could pass out. And he, and they ask him to kind of come to the front of the class to make his argument. And, when he's walking to the through the group, you see Margaret lean over to him and say something. Mm. And he kind of nods his head like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's kind of like, yeah, really sell it, Charles, because she doesn't want to do it. And she even has a line, if I have nothing left for Donald, I'm going to be so angry because she's, she's <laughs> worried that uh, her form of exercise is going to be diminished by doing all this calisthenics. <laughs> uh, Potter notices all this and makes an announcement over the PA and basically says, uh, you know, everyone report to the uh, mess tent uh, in three minutes. And then the people who don't have the energy have to report three minutes earlier. Yep. And there's yep. a great bit where he pauses <laughs> and then goes, same to you. Because he knows somebody <laughs> in the crowd has told him to go F off or something. <laughs> I, I, I think that I was trying to go through here and find the best things I liked about this. And I kept going back to a lot of things Potter does and says that moment. And then all of his alliteration throughout this entire episode, it just seems that there is a lot of it. And he's got some of the best little lines and best Potterisms that you can have. It's a good episode for him. Absolutely. Now, so again, he's in the uh, mess tent and he has the speech and he says, you guys will all get into shape. You can bet your chubby cabooses on that, which not first of all. Again, we we've gone uh, in other episodes about how uh, mass unit four seven seven has no HR no. apparently because you really can't probably say these things. Plus, it's also some the fifties. Yeah, it's right, also well, the fifties. Yeah. Some of the but some of the members of the four seven seven are in quite good shape. Like if Margaret's in good shape, I'd say BJ's in good shape. So it's yeah. you know like who what they can't lift a jeep. Well, okay, it's <laughs> not that big of a deal. And to be fair, too, they are also surgeons as well. So as long as they can do their job, you almost don't want to push them too far, as we see at the end of the episode, because yes. there's an, there's a chance that you're going to injure your surgeons and you need them to be in the best shape. So they can't be loafing. But at the same time, how much do you really want to push this too? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's trying to make a point. And so he's being his normal kind of exaggerated Potter way, by the way. Just for those of you that like to look at these things, and I don't know, I'm looking at the episode on my computer. I'm not watching it on Hulu, and I know the Hulu shows are cropped a little differently because they're they're reformatted to fit different size televisions. But if you look in the upper left hand uh, part of your screen when Potter is talking to everybody in the mess tent, uh, you can see the back wall of the stage uh, <laughs> on the on the <laughs> because they have drawn the roof a little too further in on the camera and you can literally see some of the uh, 20th century Fox stage there uh, behind, behind everybody. So, oops, you know, well, okay. You know, these things happen. So uh, Potter, uh, you know, says, he says, uh, I've come up with something in my normal, quiet, uh, you know, <laughs> brilliant way. Everyone is, we're going to do the Olympics and it's, everyone's just kind of like staring at him like, mm, okay. But he <laughs> says, Oh, did I forget to mention the incentive? Everybody is going to get three days of R and R, which actually pretty good yeah. plan, really. Yeah, 
And we also get some good moments here from uh, Father McKay. He's got a lot of nice little zingers throughout this episode, too. When they're pushing the ambulance up, he says, well, I'll take the spot by the cross. It's just he's got <laughs> all these little things that he's doing throughout the episode as well. And he's got a couple good good ones here, too. He goes, way to win them over with honey, sir. Or, you know, he, he says that you good job on on adding that in. He's kind of pepping up the colonel as he's doing all of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he is good, I and mean, he has a conversation with the Winchester. He says, "Thanks to a good mass, there's nothing more stirring than the Olympics." And Winchester says, "Yes, the Olympics. Four years or uh, people from all nations get together to sweat, and we see <laughs> he is sweating, which is funny because in a later episode of the season, he will mention that he does not perspire, uh, but yet he is sweating right there." So uh, Hawkeye and BJ uh, talk about that they are going to be competing against one another, and they're kind of gloating, and they're going to the winner. He's going to push the other one around in a wheelchair uh, for a week or whatever it is. And they shake on it. And of course, BJ's handshake apparently is a little too hard for Hawkeye because Hawkeye starts wincing in pain. Um, I, I like this. We've seen a couple of other places where it's Hawkeye versus BJ and they're really nasty to each other. This is a fun competition, which is nice to see. You know, they really are trying, but at the same time, they're not being nasty with each other. Even during some of the, the shenanigans that go on in the Olympics themselves. We've seen them be worse on other occasions. So this is a fun, this is a fun time when they're actually playing with each other instead of really fighting against each other, which is kind of nice to see. Oh yeah. There's no state. There's no real stakes to this, which is, which is fun for this episode. That's a lot of fun. And they really get into it. They build a stage. They actually have the five Olympic rings like painted out on a sheet. Klinger dresses up in a kind of toga and they have an Olympic torch, which they set on fire, which kind of goes like, woof. And it looks like it's made out of a bedpan. I think so. I think this is kind of what it looks like. Uh, there is footage of a runner, Emil Zadapek. There is some footage of a race and they talk about some of the, uh, some of the, uh, runners actually collapsed. And then we get to the first, uh, trial heat, uh, not uh, trial, but the first race, which is, uh, everyone has to run a distance, but on crutches. So everybody's running on crutches and we see we've got Hawkeye and Winchester and Ames. We got Nurse Kelly. Which is great. She's involved. Klinger there. Klinger has um an eye shade on almost the, through the whole episode. I don't really know why he's wearing the eye shade, but he had like he's an accountant or something. I don't get why he's wearing it in this episode, but he is. Well, he needs to keep the sun out of his eyes, and he's not going to wear a military issued hat. Come on, man. Yeah, it's, I guess. I mean, I don't up, know. Okay? You never see him wear it before. I don't know. It's very strange. Well, you um, don't see him wearing a lot of his dresses twice, man. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, Margaret is, Margaret is in pigtails and kind of these little, uh, army short shorts. She looks actually quite fetching in this outfit. This, She's really quite cute. This is what really reminded me also of the MASH movie and the hot lips mm. hula hand in the MASH movie because she is a cheerleader in that movie. And there's a lot of times her movement, her jumping up and down, which I really put her and that actress, which I'm going to look up really quickly. Well, uh, Sally Kellerman. Sally, yeah, Sally Kellerman, which, which they look a lot alike. There's all of a sudden like a lot of similarities between those two hot lips or those two major hula hands, I should say. And I think it's really impressive. And that's what really clicked me back over to the MASH movie, just her personality during this episode. I can see that. I can see. That. Yeah. The, the Margaret who the hot lips hula hand at the end of the MASH movie becomes much more a part of the gang. Yes. You know, yes. and she does the cheerleader and it leads to that great, you know, 
They fire the gun. Oh my God! They've shot him. <laughs> shot him. <laughs> it's How the end of the quarter. It's the end of the quarter. So uh, we're back to the we're back to the, uh, the the episode proper after the footage of the Olympics, and we find out that uh, BJ's team is down, and so uh, he gives a speech to try and inspire everybody, and there it's kind of met with sort of right whatever, and then he asks Margaret to say something, and Margaret stands up and does a Patton esque speech. Where she starts screaming at the top of her lungs and she's like, do BJ and I have to carry this whole crummy team? And then she's like, let's get out there and win. Let's cut out their hearts. She's threatening them. Yeah. Once again, this goes back into, yeah, this reminds me of the hot lips from the movie. Would you put your hand into a pile of goo that used to be your friend's face? It's just that kind of level thing. And then after she screams, she sits down and she goes, thank you, Captain. Which is... Well, the stakes are high for her. This is three more days she can spend with her beloved Penobscot. Well, I feel, I feel like when that in that moment, it's like Margaret, when she turns it on, she enters like a fugue state mm-hmm. where she just becomes this warrior. And then she turns it back off and she probably doesn't even really recall what she said. You know, like she's just kind of like, well, what did I say? Was it that she, bad? Like, you just you just and, talked about cutting out the hearts of the other is, members of the staff. And this is really the only through line of the character that really exists from early on in, in the show, because we really have changed a lot about her character. But the one thing that still exists for her is her hot, fiery temper. And it, it is fast. It is furious. And as soon as it burns out, it's done. It's yeah, over. It's done. She'll hold yeah. a grudge. She will hold a grudge, but it's hot and fast. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a great, that's a great observation. That's probably exactly what, how it works with her. So then we're on to the next event where they're going to do a nurse carry and Potter shows everybody how it's going to work and he climbs onto the shoulder of, of Ames. I love Harry Morgan has this great little aside as he gets off of Ames's shoulder. You hear him say, Hey, you're looking thinner, which yeah. <laughs> I love that little throwaway. <laughs> it's working. It's working. working. He's, he's such a good. He's such a good commander. It's just, hey, you're looking thinner. I just think that makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> so uh, then uh, Donald Penobscot shows up. Mm-hmm. And this time he looks, well, he looks a little different than when we saw him the last time. Just uh, he, yeah, he was played by Beast and Carol in the season five episode. But here he is played by Mike Henry. Uh, Mike Henry just passed away in 2021. He was undoubtedly most famous for playing Junior in all three of the Smokey and the Bandit movies, he's J- he is the he is Sm- he is Smokey's aka Jackie Gleason's son, dim-witted son in all three of those movies. His other big role was in the '60s. He played Tarzan. Mm-hmm. He starred in three Tarzan films. Now I've not seen any of those movies. I'm not like the hugest Tarzan fan. I mean, I like I've read the original novel and I've seen other movies but those three i have never seen so i'm completely unfamiliar with his role as as tarzan but you can make it makes sense why why you would think you would see him in this and that penobscot role as this kind of big strapping guy since obviously he had quite a career as kind of like you know a, a, a powerful strong man of action he also was looking i I wasn't that familiar with him either. I haven't seen those Tarzan movies as well, but he also was a football player too. So he was Steelers and Rams. So he had, 
he's got a history of being a physical type. And I mean, you see the pictures of him as Tarzan. Dude was cut. And I mean, this is cut in the 60s. He looks quite impressive for that time period. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, mm-hmm. I I know knock against Mr. Henry. Uh, I have said, uh, we said this in the, the season five episode, Margaret's Marriage. I prefer Beast and Carol mm-hmm. as Penobscot. I just find that Beast and Carol it, is just seems more like a Captain America type that Margaret yeah. would fall in love with rather than Mike Henry, at least how is he plays Penobscot? He comes across as a little dimwitted. And I just, I'm like, mm, I don't know if Margaret would, would go for that exactly, but you know, it, part of it is how he's written. So it's not was, necessarily Mike Henry's fault. I was also seeing and feeling just a tiny little bit of Elvis, just with the look mm. and, and his drawl that he had to, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't coming across as being, He's just a big dumb jock is really what he was coming across. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he's just right. And maybe again, maybe that it's how it's, what he does later on in the episode. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just can't I can't picture the Beast and Carol version of Penobscot doing what this Penobscot does. But, yeah. you know, it's only two episodes. You know, like, I don't want to overdo it. It's mm-hmm. just I'm I'm curious as to why they didn't bring Beast and Carol back. But, you know, we'll, we'll probably never know these things. But anyway, uh, he's he finds out that Margaret, as, as Colonel Potter says, your little your little uh, missus has been quite a standout. And he's very impressed by that. And he even has a joke. He's like three extra days of R&R that we might even be able to make it out of the hotel. And uh, <laughs> Margaret's like, we can discuss the itinerary later, which is <laughs> she all of a sudden becomes shy and embarrassed, which Demure, is, yeah, which is not Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to say in front of Colonel Potter and Hawkeye. Sure. I guess that's really what it is. So anyway, uh, she gets she's going to be car- she's going to climb on Klinger's shoulders. But now Klinger is suffering the effects of eating. I think it's like all all five salamis. That he's been doing. You feel like he's obviously ready to die. And I love that Margaret goes, get up. I'll carry you. I love that she doesn't even, she doesn't even pause. She's just like, fine, I'll carry you. And the react, I love Jamie Farr goes, oh no. <laughs> it's like agonized. Like, cause you know, he's probably ready to vomit mm-hmm. in any moment. And the idea of being jostled around is just so. Uh, like oh god! Well, so, as and as, then we see him as soon as Potter, as soon as Potter says you're dismissed, he's off, and you. I think there yeah. might even be just a little bit of a, uh, and that's yeah. it. You know, <laughs> we're done. Like, he really sells it. JB Far really sells oh, he's, it. He's like oh god. It, it, you know, everybody does a fine job of acting, but especially with Klinger character, you have to go that extra mile. You have to be above the extra 10% that you would any other actor would normally give. You have to be willing to just not care, not be embarrassed and go for it. And he always is giving that kind of commitment. So he's great with it. Yes. So uh, that means Margaret has to sit this one out and she is like, well, that's not fair. BJ says, suggest to Potter, Hey, there's a little boy over there. They would like to play. <laughs> and Hawkeye is objecting to this because he's like the whole point of the, 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 the Olympics is to build up the bodies of the staff. And, and, uh, he says, he calls him gorgeous George. He says, gorgeous George here is just visiting. And Potter initially goes along with that. But actually, contrary to what I just said about the Mike Henry version of Penobscot, Penobscot 
he fools Hawkeye. Like he plays yeah. into Hawkeye's ego by talking about, you know, well, you guys wouldn't stand a chance against a guy like me, knowing that Hawkeye is going to fall for it, which Hawkeye does. Hawkeye completely, his ego, it takes over and he allows Penobscot to participate, which is what he wanted in the first book. Right. But it it's a little hard buying it from Mike Henry. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go with it because that's going to be the conceit of the episode. But Man, you can see it coming a mile away. And Hawkeye would never be fooled by that. Hawkeye would see through that from that guy. But okay, we're going to just, we're going to accept it. We're going to, but Hawkeye is very competitive though. They have sure, established that sure. he's very competitive. So it almost like he knows he's, he knows he's falling for it, but he can't help yeah. himself anyway. So I'm, I'm fine with that read on it. Yeah. I will make one observation. We've, you know, one of the things that, that, that mash did by the nature of it, of of its setting is that everyone's wearing ugly fatigues right mm-hmm. very rarely does anybody get to look particularly fetching because the costumes are meant to be drab huh. and ugly where are you going with this one he okay, said yeah. not knowing okay i mean i i have to say i don't know the name of the actress that hawkeye is carrying but it, because she's not given any lines but it's leslie hoffman i think how do how she's, do you know that well, she's credited as the uncredited nurse and Well, but there's a bunch of nurses though. Sure, I don't know. But I would be surprised if that's not her. Okay. Just because she just stands out so much. She this <laughs> this nurse is in form fitting checkered pants and a pink halter top. Mm-hmm. And she is stunning. I mean, mm-hmm. she's it's absolutely stunning. And she it's by the fact that we see Hawkeye pick her up and put her down three separate times and it went and actually on the third time that he drops her down you see her like flop her thighs like she's getting frustrated with him like can we stop with this when i was a kid and i watched this episode i was like wow that nurse is wow (laughs) maybe i want to be a doctor (laughs) it's just like uh (laughs) it's neither it's neither here nor there so anyway uh penobscot gets to pick margaret up and i love how excited she is she's like yeah, she's making. She lifts. She even goes like whoop. And she lifts her fist. It's. I love. I love fun kid Margaret. You know, like we see her. She's so serious all the time, and she's so take. She has to be. You know, especially the image. The episode just before this one, images. She's so serious. But I love just happy, goofy Margaret. You know, yeah, it's yeah. really charming. Yeah, and she's having fun with it. She's. It's the moment of her dreams because. She gets to do something with her husband. She gets to do something with the Scott. And everybody's having a good time. It's goofy. It's silly. And yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as expected, Scott and Margaret win that race. And so that means the matches are tied. So they're going to have a tiebreaker. And they're pulling names out of a hat. And they, for BJ's team, they call, they pull up Scott, And for Hawkeye's team, they pull up Ames, which, of course, everyone starts going, oh, and it leads to a curious line by Colonel Potter where he goes, you are going to lose so big, which is, I don't know. Isn't Potter <laughs> supposed to be kind of kind of neutral in this? Like, what is he doing? And he's rubbing it into the poor guy's face and everybody's like, oh, no, you're going to lose. And yeah, I love Hawkeye's Hawkeye's grabbing him by the arm and like punching him like he's trying to. He's trying to psych him up. You know, he's like, oh, come on. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. So uh, the, the Ames and Penobscot do an obstacle course made of, of some tires, uh, having to crawl through some 
can some like barrels mm-hmm. and we see that aims you know uh unexpected expectedly is horrible at it he's falling all over himself and the only reason that it's even competitive is because after every section of the race Penobscot, Penobscot stops to blow kisses to margaret and take in adulation and we can see hawkeye uh, excuse me we can see bj yelling go go you know like just just go just it's, go but he, but he can't help himself it's the classic tortoise in the hair that's mm. what it is i mean and as soon as it starts off you see this is going to happen it's yes he should win it's a given oh but he's gonna he has to just show off he has to do the goofiness and yeah okay it's you know where it's going and you want Ames to win because come on it's Ames. Yeah, you like the right, guy. you like the guy, right? Exactly, and he, he even tries to stop Penobscot because he says, "Hey, he's a colonel," because mm-hmm. he sees what Penobscot's about to do. Because Penobscot is walking backwards and he's not paying attention. Now, can you tell me? I don't think I've ever asked anybody on the show yet. What is that netting? What is that for? It's it's camo netting. The idea of it is to break up the outlines of any of the vehicles or tents that are there ah. so that you have a plane or a helicopter that's flying overhead. You can't make out what's underneath it. You're breaking up the sight lines. You can't tell if it's a tent. You can't tell if it's a vehicle, but it's there just to break up the lines of traditionally shaped objects. Thank you very much. I've never, I've been watching MASH for 45 years. I've never known what that was for. Yeah. So camo, right. camo netting or camouflage netting. That's what it's used for. Okay. Well, Penobscot gets tangled up in it. He falls over. Him getting tangled up in the netting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That stuff will tangle the moment you fold it. The moment it touches itself, it oh, instantly okay, becomes sure. tangled and it's horrible to pull apart. So he gets tangled up into it worse than any other net. Yep. Completely acceptable. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Right. It's like flypaper kind of like it's oh, yeah. you're all yeah. of a sudden it's yeah. And we see them all trying to untangle him. Meanwhile, Ames crosses the finish line. Hawkeye is absolutely overjoyed. <laughs> he's screaming and he's like, what? He's like, woohoo. I love that. Um, as everyone is celebrating, they're jumping up and down. They're hugging Ames. Winchester comes in from the left and he's immediately just taking off his armband. Like he's the minute <laughs> he doesn't have to participate in this anymore. He's done. He's done with it. Uh, <laughs> So big moment for Ames, and then we cut to presumably later in the day, and uh, Penobscot and Margaret are leaving for R&R, but we see that Margaret is now very mad at her husband because she's like, if you hadn't been showing off, we could have had 10 whole days. And you could see that things are not going well because Margaret has uh, changed into her Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS look with that bun on top of her head. This is a very severe look. And it's it's kind of the look I think Margaret gets when she's decided to be very, very stern. And uh, it doesn't. Uh, and she's, you know, he's like, it's just a dumb race. And she's like, a race? That wasn't just a race. It was the Olympics. <laughs> and so, yeah, this is not a good good way to start their seven days of, of R&R. Aha. Uh-huh. It should be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be fun. And then to make matters worse, Penobscot can't get the Jeep started. And she nope. literally hits him with her hat. And uh, climbs in and decides to start the Jeep for him and takes off. So, yeah, so that is completely emasculating the guy, completely emasculating him. Yeah. 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 It's not not fun. Uh, we cut to uh, we cut to OR where we everybody is. Uh, we, we actually have some patience here for the first time. And we get some um, audio overlay of talking about the Olympic flame from 1952 and the games. And we see that everybody is now 
sore. Yeah. Uh, poor, poor BJ is sore. Potter is, uh, he's, well, actually, Potter's not sore. He's not really doing anything. Mulcahy is. Hawkeye is. So everyone, this is what happens when you don't exercise for a long time. And then all of a sudden you do it, your body kind of rejects you. Hawkeye looks like he's got a, a hump on his back. BJ can't put <laughs> his gloves on. It, it hurts to put the gloves on. Yeah, Mulcahy was just limping. Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> now it's, it's funny. Um, the way they edited this. Because if you look closely in the previous scene where Margaret and Penobscot are driving off, in the background, you can see Hawkeye in the wheelchair being pushed by BJ. It's there for about half a second, but you can see it. But then the rest of that scene is the button. Because then we come back and very quickly we see Margaret in the Jeep leaving the frame very quickly mm-hmm. and now we're cutting to the i mean so they're they're jumbling it around because you kind of got the sense from the way that they cut it that margaret and penobscot are leaving while the doctors are in the or performing surgery but obviously that's not exactly what it is but again mesh kind of played fast and loose with that stuff but we I see would- that um bj is pushing around hawkeye in the wheelchair because as we know that was their bet and uh, hawkeye is benefiting from that and bj's looking kind of like Ugh, all right and then uh, Ames finds them, and he mentions that he passed his way in. He beat it by three whole ounces. I, I got to ask you, how sophisticated are these scales in 1952 that they could do it by the ounces? I've never been on a scale that could cut it that closely. I have no idea. I am pretty sure that if it's this guy's livelihood, he would be pushing for every single ounce on there. So, Maybe, uh, maybe he just sees that it's just below that the, the needles just below that. So he says, well, I'm going to call that three ounces and call it good. So I, I would be surprised if they actually did that. I think that might be his own embellishment about how close he was. (laughs) Okay. All right. I mean, does he have like his combat boots on? I would hope not, right? <laughs> no, no. Against them he, he's, like that. he probably was begging to, to take off his skivvies. He wants to be yeah. there completely in the nude. He doesn't want anything there to <laughs> dog tags every little bit off. Every it's little kinda, bit off. Like when I go to the doctor, I took my cell phone out of my pocket. Like that's going to make some qualitative difference. <laughs> Hang on, to my, way my jacket off, my shoes. Yeah. Let me empty everything out of my pockets. Sunglasses. Can you just not do yeah. this. <laughs> this p- picture of this heavy thing I have in my wallet now. So uh, Ames, now, I, is, Ames actually, is thrilled. I was going to go back, though. I, I would actually have switched those two scenes around. I would have actually had Margaret leaving the compound with followed by the entire scene, which we're talking about right now with him mm. pushing the, the, the wheelchair, and then have the button of the episode be them in the OR. Yeah, yeah. That would have made yeah. a lot more sense. And it and it seems like that's more of what they've done in the past with a good button episode. And it would have just been that would have been better. Yeah, it's a cur- it's a curious choice to 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 kind of structure it that way. But yeah, you could it does it would kind of make sense to be like, oh, okay, for the per for the previous twenty four minutes, we've been having a lot of goofy fun, but now we're back to the doctors performing surgery. And and, and everybody and here's, is and everyone's pain. all like, oh yeah. whatever, you know. I, I experienced that when I go long periods without running. I try not to let it go too long, but I, there's been times where it's been really cold or I've been away or whatever. And then I run again for the first time. And the next day, my body is like, nope, 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 nope. And all of a sudden, I'm walking around like an old person because, yeah. <laughs> although I'm getting there just by my, just <laughs> naturally, I'm getting there. But I mean, all of a sudden I'm walking the like, kind of hunched over because of, like, oh, my, my legs are like, yeah, you thought you could run five miles. <laughs> no, not quite. 
when, so, I, started, when I started working out again, I I worked out heavily at doing gym one day, and the next day I got on a plane going to Maryland, and I was like, "Oh, this was this was a mistake. Mm-hmm. I, I'm 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 in pain, and yeah. I can't move, and I can't do anything, and I hurt." <laughs> yeah, my body was so much more supple when I was 20, surprisingly enough. So uh, Ames is happy to be back in the army, and of course Hawkeye and BJ are like our condolences. And uh, they, he says, "Oh, have a seat." And he play, he he offers his wheelchair to Ames. And I love there's that look that BJ gives Hawkeye, like, "You expect me to push Ames around? Like, you know, this is a lot harder." And then they're like, oh, "Okay, we'll do it together." And they start pushing him. Where do you want to go? And he says, "Of course, we're going to go to the mess tent. We're going to celebrate." So of course he's going to go. Yeah, he's going to he's going to jump right back over that those those three ounces. And I love that it ends with Hawkeye. I mean, contra again to would have been more fun to maybe end it with the surgery scene. But I like that Hawkeye and BJ are trying to steer him around, and because he's so big, they're kind of like <laughs> just wavering all over the compound. They can't quite control themselves, and that's the end of Mash Olympics. Goofy, silly, absolutely not consequential to anything at all. Yeah, it just is what it is. It's a nice little palate cleanser for some of the other hard stuff in this season. It's a great episode. It's a great, yep. fun episode. The show has earned that. You know, yep. it's done a lot of heavy stuff, so it, it's earned it when it can just be silly and fun and goofy. And this is that, you know, this is that show. This is that show. I do, although I do, I did wonder when watching it when everyone is. Uh, all the doctors and Colonel Potter are out on the compound performing, you know, competing in the Olympics. Who's who's in post-op? Who, who would they don't they have to have a doctor on the the uh, the, 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 the other the other uh, uh, shift, the, the doctors we never okay. see the other shift the doctors, doctors they're over there. Yeah. And, and another, reason, another reason for them doing such short little events is that it's really easy. OK, we got moment. No choppers coming in. It's all good. We can do the event. That's true. Right. They're, they're right. This is not they're not making them run five miles, which is yeah. like going to take them for two hours to go do or whatever. Oh, so. these people will take them like all day to do the yeah. five miles. Come on. Now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So but, I really like this one. It's a real it's a fun show. I will say this probably kind of tips a little bit their hat to the original source material for MASH as well of here's just another little story of something that happened. Oh, here's where we just to kill time to do something. We did an Olympics just to entertain ourselves. Cause that's the other part of it too, is here's another reason why Potter's doing it. People are going to get bored. Hey, let's change it up a bit. Not only to get them into shape, but to give them something else to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As I said, terrific, terrific fun show. So, okay. Uh, did you have a favorite line or uh, line or joke from this episode? Rick? I, I mentioned, I really liked all of the different alliterations. There was one that was a, uh, Winchester says you're a buffoon. Hawkeye says bozo and Potter comes about with bottle it. I, I like the alliteration aspects, but really I have to go back to the Potter over the PA system. Tent hall, tent hut, all you mopes. This is your CO, the guy who set up this little winding. Remember me, couldn't help but notice that some of you are less than delighted with the program where well, you're going to strain that out. Those of you who still have the energy will report to the mess tent right now. Those of you who don't have the energy will report three minutes earlier. He pauses for a few moments. Same to you. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Potter's Potter's one step ahead of everybody. Yeah. Uh, my actually, my favorite line is also a Potter line, and it's when uh, he's or Potter is organizing everybody to lift the jeep, lift the uh, the ambulance, and we see Winchester, and he is standing off to the side 
telling people where to stand. And he points out that he says, Pierce, there's a spot right over here. And Potter notices this and looks at Winchester and he goes, what's wrong with you, sad sack? <laughs> just, there's something about calling Winchester sad sack that just makes me laugh. I know that's Jag's favorite comic character, but there's just, I don't know. I just, the way that uh, Harry Morgan delivers it, just calling him sad sack just makes me laugh every time. Just there, there was also Winchester like that. There's also one line where they call Winchester uh, the wood, the wood section over there. Brass. Yeah, says brass. Yeah. Brass. <laughs> Uh yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a great it's a great episode. Really, really great episode. Fun. Well, Rick, thank you so much for joining me for your first appearance here on Mashcast. I hope it won't be your your last. And I as I said at the top of the show, I really envy you experience that you've got ahead of you to watch uh like another 120 mashes. They're all gonna be brand new to you. That is just so cool. I'm enjoying it. I really am enjoying it. I I Except for this one and the last episode, I'm not jumping ahead. I'm watching them right with you. So I get to experience all this cool stuff that's coming up. And you hearing everybody talk about Winchester's coming on, what's going to be like with, with a change with Winchester. And I'm enjoying him on the show. And it's a, it's very fun. And I'm glad I've got the... I, I'm glad I kept hearing the advertisements for your show and everybody talking about it, saying, I want to sit down and watch all of MASH. And here's a great opportunity for me to do it. That's so cool. I'm 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 very honored that the the, the the podcast would be that much a part of your experience. But man, that is just so cool to be able to sit and see these for the first time. So I am really dying to know what you think of certain episodes as you get to them as they roll up because there's a lot of great stuff uh, laid ahead of you. So uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Well, me and my buddy Jeff, who whenever we do a camel race, he is always on my shoulders, which is pretty <laughs> much the reason why we lose. Well, Jeff and I do a show called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we talk about every issue of Power Pack or any comic book that any member of Power Pack's in. <laughs> We're in FF territory right now. And you can just find us over on our show, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, so that, I That was a show... When you started it, I remember thinking, God, there's, I mean, Power Pack ran what? How many issues did the original 63. It really, it ran 62. It ran 60. I didn't know it ran that many. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. But then once you expanded it to the cameo, you know, the appearances in other books, like, okay, now you can really, you know, there's a lot more to cover. Hey, uh, Julie Power just appeared in a couple of Infinity comics. So we're got a couple more episodes we can do in 2027. (laughs) <laughs> very exciting so well again thank you so much for uh for coming on i really appreciate it it's my my pleasure thank you very much for having me and i'll be back on anytime you want me absolutely so of course everybody uh, you can find back episodes of the show on our website findwaterpodcast.com you can subscribe to mashcast on any podcatcher of your choice we're always talking mash over on twitter at mash 477 cast and then finally if you want to support the fine water podcast network just go to patreon.com slash fw podcast and there you can unlock various rewards one of which is to be name checked on the show of your choice so big salute to daniel ulrich nicholas prom russell burbage dan peel mike thomas joe perino billy showman dennis bailey kara k tim english adam ackerman lisa p laura braun stephen van skyke david mann and michael kelly thanks so much for the support i really appreciate it so we will see you next episode but until then that is all Hi, honey. Pull her into the garage. Dinner's on the table. Have a nice day at the war.